our Florida peeps. Hello, Annette, and everybody else that's there, and those that are joining with us live. Um, this morning, uh, I don't have a one-pager. Uh, that's not a surprise to anybody in the room. Hey, I've had a few. I've had a few over the last few months, so I'm trying to uh, make up for it. At any rate, for the last two weeks, the Lord has had me reading in Revelation over and over and over again. And, and I think it's because of the, um, the times that we're, we're living in. We know they're just so good. Well, they are, but they're really dark. Um, and in that, there's been some dreams that have come from you know, given to me. And then there's, there's, there's another dream that was shared with me by a person in our network that, that really kind of speaks to our topic this morning. And um, a lot of the things we're going to look at are are primarily in the book of Revelation. But I've, I've got so much that I want to talk about. And I want to begin with this. We, we all know that in the, in the very beginning, before sin entered into uh, any part of what God created, everything was created perfect. Everything. Every creature, uh, which includes... All the angelic beings, all every one of those were created perfect until iniquity was found in the enemy. And it's at that point, and, and we know there's discussions theologically where the original sin, you know, the original sin did not originate in the garden. Okay, it did not. How do we know that? Well, if iniquity was found in the enemy, the enemy was not in the garden. He was, he was in heaven, the perfected place that had no sin, no iniquity. Hence, when iniquity was found in him, he was removed from that perfect place. So the original sin did not originate in the garden. I know in saying that, some people are like, it, it just didn't. <laughs> um, it originated in heaven, and when it was there, God said, that does not go here, it, and, 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 and the enemy was cast out. So with that in mind, as I've been reading through the book of Revelation, and I've got a, an extra sheet here that I'm going to kind of quickly go through that you don't have, the Lord kind of, ha he, he had me focusing in on all the different places, and we all know these things. This is not something new. But for some reason, there's one particular place that I had not really looked at it a lot and and hadn't really noticed the activities that went on in this place and it's not the temple i mean i've, I've got here the spiritual places in revelation so i'm just going to read these things down the throne is mentioned 31 different times in the book of revelation the throne of god that's a lot of references and there's so many different activities and, and, and things that are going on there all the time, 24-7, 365. Not that that kind of time exists in heaven, but that's the way we deal with time in the earth. So that's, that's why I use that. Paradise is mentioned one time here, and we know uh, Paul references it. Jesus referred to paradise when he's on the cross. So it's uh, mentioned other places, but in Revelation, it's mentioned one time and I believe it's, I can't remember which church it is. I think it was Philadelphia, I think. So don't quote me on that, but it is mentioned one time. Heaven is mentioned 30 times. The bottomless pit is mentioned seven times. The lake of fire is mentioned four times. And then the temple of the tabernacle is used 13 different times. And so as I'm going through and read, I've read through Revelation like five, six times over the last few weeks, just all the time. I cannot read anything else. And it's very, it's fascinating, but yet it's sobering and it's, we are in those times. Now, I'm not up here with my um, end time chart. I don't know what the end time chart's going to look like. I just know that the things that occur in the book of Revelation, that we are actively involved in all those events. And when the rapture takes place, I don't know, you know, but we are not going to be raptured out to the point where we don't go through major warfare. And we all know this, but a lot of the general church and a lot of people that are in 
call themselves Christians, they think they're going to be raptured out before any of the great tribulation comes about. But, I mean, there's a lot of prophets that are there. There are a lot of the saints are there. And um, so as we go through this, it's going to be very important for us to all recognize we are going to be fully protected because we have the mark of our Father that's written in our forehead. Those that do not have this mark, it's going to be very, very bad for those people. And I think this is one of the reasons why the church wants to just take it all out of it and go, well, we're not going to be here. But there's no verse in, any of, in the book of Revelation that says we're not going to suffer tribulation. We, we are, but we're going to be protected and we will be preserved. Now, I know this study, <laughs> it's vast. It really is. So I did want to reference in, in the very beginning in, in Genesis, because first issuances are always, always important. Um, in Genesis chapter 3, well, we could even go back further, but I wanted to focus on chapter 3, verse 1. We know this is a reference to the serpent. And the serpent is identified as more subtle than any creature and any beast of the field that the Lord God had created. And, he, and I, I want to make that connection with the, the serpent and him being a beastly type creature because as we go through this, let me just say, there's been some dreams where I've seen some of these creatures. And they are spirit beings that are going to be coming out of the sea and coming out of the earth. And they're, and, they're, and they're different beasts. Now, why am I even bringing that up? Remember, these creatures were absolutely part of all creation. And they were perfect at one point. And they, they, these creatures are, are, have, were convinced by the enemy to fall and go with the, the one-third. Okay, Now, one-third in our... Our interpretation is not, in God's viewpoint, that could be a lot, lot of angelic beings, okay? Because there's, there's an innumerable t company of angels, and that includes the, the godly and the fallen ones. So as we go through, I, I hadn't seen some of these things before, and I'm like, well, this is really interesting, because then you start to connect a lot of, we all know the violence and the chaos and Everything that's going on in, in that, in, in, with those characterizations are driven by the enemy, okay? And then man gets in line with that, and then they partner with it. And, and sometimes some willingly, and some really don't recognize it. They just get on the bandwagon, and, then, and before you know it, they're involved in destruction and chaos and violence. And, and it's really it's crazy. The book of Revelation is loaded with craziness. It's loaded with warfare and bloodshed and tribulation. All, I mean, it's everywhere. So I started looking at Ezekiel. And I was thinking about Daniel because Daniel talks a lot about beasts coming up and man mankind partnering with beasts. I, I didn't go into the book of Daniel. That's a whole other study. It ties into here somehow. But immediately I started thinking about the four beasts that are, they, they are before the throne, okay? And then I, it just clicked. It's like these other beasts that are described here, that was their former estate. They used to be alongside in some way with the, the, these beasts that are before the throne, but, but they fail. And I begin to see the, the very essence of, of, of the nature of who they've become is nothing but utter destruction and... and, and um, um, I mean, deception and persecution is what they do. And that, that's not, they were originally not created that way. And so on, on, your, on your paper there, on page one, that's what I've got this, a beastly comparison. And the four beasts and the living creatures that, that Ezekiel referenced, they're before the throne. They're, they're these perfect angelic beings that he references in Ezekiel 1, and then John encounters in Revelation 4 and, 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 and chapter 6 and, and in other places too. I couldn't reference all of them because there's too many there. But then 
We're going to see in a few moments how these two beasts are coming up out of the sea and the earth in Revelation. These are two fallen demonic beings, and they are absolutely demonically focused on death, destruction, and deception. Those terms keep coming up whenever they whenever they released up out of the sea, the one beast, and then the other one that comes out of the earth. Two different beings, two different ones, not the same. I hadn't made, I hadn't seen that before. And again, it's probably because of the time. Things are covered over. We can't see things until God does what? Um, gives us an anointing to see it. And that's, I guess that's one, what makes this journey so um, enjoyable, even though we're talking about something that's destructive, is when it's time for a seal to be removed or something to be opened to where you can look inside and see it, and it, 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 it's awesome. And I love that part. Of, of our walk and we all experience that from time to time now so just kind of laying the groundwork here so then i started going okay these these creatures this was not their original state because if god created everything perfectly and the enemy convinced them it's hard to imagine how the enemy could be so convincing and persuasive to 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 get one-third of the angelic beings that were absolutely perfect. That, that's just mind-boggling. How is that possible? Just, just food for thought. So I started studying beast in the New Testament, just in the New. I mean, I know it's everywhere in the Old, and we referenced Genesis 3. Jesus is in the wilderness, and he's tempted by Satan, and it says there's wild beasts that are there. Now, I know they can refer to literal as wild beasts, Go to the desert, you can see mountain lions, all different, okay? So I'm not saying this is a reference to the beast in Revelation. I'm just kind of going through the list. Then Paul is around a campfire, and guess what happens? A, a snake, a venomous beast, latches onto him, and a miracle happens in the sense that it was poisonous, that, and everybody was amazed that he didn't die. There's evil beasts that are described, brute beast, and I, I find brute beast um, in, in Peter references these, and he it means that these are um, beasts that are irrational. They're not functioning with rational thought, and that, that's what that means. And then you've got the four beasts, beast, and then I've even thrown in the great dragon here. So we, we're going to talk about uh, beasts and dragons and all this stuff here this morning in the book of Revelation. But know this, my main, the main focus that I feel I'm to share is we have his mark in our foreheads and it is written there and it is real i can't see it on less or any of you right now but i'm it's spiritually that mark of our father is is written upon us jesus has writings on his body right the thigh says his name is written king of kings lord of lords i mean so this this grapho written is all over revelation and uh so with that in mind i started looking i knew ezekiel had referenced some spiritual things that he encountered during his day. And we're going to start with that in, in Ezekiel 9, verses 1 through 8. Now, to understand chapter 9, you have to go back and read chapter 8. We're not going to read chapter 8, but I'm going to summarize it. It speaks of great abominations that are occurring. And Ezekiel is in the spirit. This is where he's been taken by the lock of his hair and lifted up between heaven and earth. And... That would not happen with me. I have no locks. I have no hair. So the Lord will have to do something different <laughs> with me. And he, and he, and he references the, the image of jealousy that's there. He references creeping things. When, he, when he's taken in, he, he sees creeping things, abominable beasts, idolatry upon the wall. And, he, and this is, this is the, the people of Israel doing these things. So God's taking him up, and he's letting him see what the people are engaged in. And then he encounters women weeping for um, Tammuz, and then the worshiping of the sun god. All of that's going on in chapter 8. And then it brings us into chapter 9. The environment was horrible. The people of God had been engaged in all these crazy activities. And God was getting ready to use someone to deal with this stuff he does not just sit back and let things just at, at, at in his time when he's ready to release judgment and fury and whatever 
he will do it. And, and, and thankfully, that's his job. And, and I know that we're to judge prophecy. We have certain facets of that. But when we're talking about the wrath of God and the fury being released, it ain't got nothing to do with us. Revenge? Nope, nope, nope. God says that's mine. Because God recognizes we, we cannot use, we are too revengeful anyway, and we would misuse it. So there's certain things that he says, I want you to partner with me in, but there's, then there's other things he says, you ain't having anything to do with this. And, and fury is one of them. Um, so Ezekiel chapter 9 starts off by saying this in verse 1. And he cried also in my ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near. Even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. Now, chapter 8, man, every time I read through it, it's just like I cringe. I'm going, oh, man, next time I try to partner with jealousy, I want to remember this. Notice it's the image of jealousy. Now, we're going to hit that hard because that's a, that's a topic that's repeated over and over again in relation to the mark of the beast and the mark of his image. The image of the beast and the image of the enemy, remember, it was created perfect in the beginning. We are created in the image of Elohim. Same terminology. And it's very interesting because I had not seen... Everybody, you know, talk about the mark of the beast, oh, like there's only one beast. There, there's more than one. And I, 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 you know, I might as well say it online here. I'm, I didn't think there was more than one beast either. I don't know what was going on in my head, but um, let's just keep reading. So, destroying weapon in his hand, and behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lies towards the north. And every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. But one man among them was clothed with linen, with a writer's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and they stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, Whereupon he was to the threshold of the house, and he called to the man with the clothes, to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. And Yahweh says to him, "Here we go with the, the eternal plan. Go through the midst of the city. You see how anytime Yah, I mean, God, God's a God of action. He, I'm, I wonder what he felt." When he saw his own people engaging in these idolatrous practices, his chosen people, and these women, that's a whole other teaching. They're weeping for this. And, and then the, and all these creeping things and partnering with beastly things that are written upon and portrayed on the walls. And so he's not going to just sit back and, and not respond. And so he's, he's equipping an, a gentleman with a writer's inkhorn a gentleman, a man, and he calls him in and he says, go through the city, and what does he have him do? Set a mark, and the word for mark there is tav, and it comes from tavah, and it means, it just means there's a writing of some sort, and it can can refer to a, like a signature, something that's being imprinted upon the foreheads of the men that are sighing and that are crying for all the abominations. We are the sires and we are the criers. And that rhymed. I didn't, I didn't practice that. So these people are preserved during this awful time while Ezekiel was alive. And this is a picture for us too. We have this mark. This is written on our foreheads. And it's spoken of, we'll cover it later on in Revelation. We don't need to fear. We need to fear God, and we're going to see that come up. That's the message from these angelic creatures in Revelation saying, Fear God. Worship God. Get away from these beasts. And I'll go ahead and say it. Anytime somebody is, is involved in destructiveness, this is where discernment is going to come in in a major way because God's, God is sending forth 
this judgment that involves destruction, right? The enemy's associated with it. How do you know the difference? The only way we're going to know the difference is being with him and knowing. Now, I'm not saying we take our slaughter weapons. We go home and get everything all sharpened up. I'm not saying that. God's got a sickle, too. I mean, that's in Revelation as well. <laughs> he, he's leading all of these activities. But we need, to be, we need to know the Lord so much that if he releases one of these angelic creatures from the temple and says, okay, here comes the first destructive thing that I've reserved for this time frame, and he opens the temple, and out comes the angel, and destruction hits the earth. Is it God? Is it the enemy? We can't. Don't quickly say it's the enemy. It might be God releasing one of those seven angels, right? Could be. Because those guys, we're going to see when that temple opens, it opens and closes. So many times people go, well, it closed here. It says no man can enter in. Keep reading because it says in just a few minutes until the seven plagues, and then it opens back up. So it opens, it closes. <laughs> and I think that's why we have these, these different times where we don't, that temple doesn't stay open 24-7. <laughs> it doesn't. It's real, but there's times where God can illuminate it and say it's wide open. I need you guys coming in here and, and praying. So when we have a directive to do that, it's because there's there's something that's occurred visually that it's a wide open. Let's get in there and let's because something of a uh, of a global scale is happening. And some people some people still can't make that connective. I don't know, maybe you're that way. You know, when you hear somebody say, oh, the, the temple of the tabernacle is all about world events, right? Things happening. Where does the pastor get that from? Well, it's pretty simple. When they open that temple, when they come out, they're not going, oh, well, I'm going to affect this 250 uh, people population here in Podunk, Missouri or whatever. They're focused on the earth. And that's how, that's the connective there. It's, it's, it's global. It's not just a small portion of people. Okay, we'll get there. Maybe. There's just so much in here that we are living, and so many people just, they, well, I'm out of here. The rapture's going to occur. It didn't occur here with uh, Ezekiel, did it? I mean, I know the rapture's not going to happen with him, but God was showing him in advance what he was getting ready to do. And so the, he equips this um, guy with the ink horn uh, to go and mark. It did say he marked everyone. He's marking those that are that are, uh, and and you can study the sighing and crying. It, it's it, those are intercessory type terms of people calling out and crying out to God for what all the the detestable things that were going on at that time frame. Some people aren't crying out at all for that. Some people aren't interceding and partnering with what God's doing in the heavens now for any of this because they're going to be out of here, right? It's not even not even on their radar. So the fact that it's on our radar indicates we are marked by his spirit. And then he says this, and that it be done in the midst thereof. And that, that is a specific directive of preservation. That's us. I am so glad that, and, and he, he knows who these people are. The scripture says, there are a lot of people that just play games, okay? We, we all know this. Well, I'm, we're not even focused on them. They, they just show up on a Sunday, and they're just here, and they do nothing. They just use the name of God in vain, profane, vain. I mean, they, it's nothing to them. They do, it's just another word. When we talk about the name written on our forehead, there's much more spiritual depth there that it, it's, it's our identity. It identifies who we are, and he can see it, and the enemy forces can see it too. So that's what's going on. And to the others, he said in mind hearing. So these six guys that are here, the other ones, he's addressing them now. He says, you go through the city and smite. What a huge difference. The, the one man goes through, and he's marking those that are that are in an intercessory mode and, and uh, so that they're preserved but then the all the others he's saying you smite them let not your eyes spare neither have pity slay now let me say this 
I am not even thinking about Ukraine when I'm reading this. So I don't want anybody thinking I'm thinking that God's directing that. I'm not saying that at all because it could, our minds could easily drift over there. Slay utterly old and young, both maids, little children, and women. But come not near any man whom this mark has this mark. And then he says, I want you to begin at my sanctuary. So this is a specific directive of this utter destruction. And that's where we are. That's where we are timing-wise. And I know there's destructive forces in the earth as we speak. Now I'm talking about Ukraine. Now I'm talking about any kind of destruction like that that is not directed by the Lord. The enemy is mobilizing. These forces are the source of all of this junk that's coming into the earth. And it's part of the timing of the Lord. You cannot get rid of something that God is allowing. We can bind it. We can try to bind and loose and wonder why our binding's not working because it's supposed to happen. So we don't focus on that. We focus on continuing to be those, those sires and those criers and intercessors and just keep interceding because in partnering with the Lord, he'll continue to reveal what he's going to do and he will preserve us because we have this mark written on us. It's his mark. It, it has nothing to do with us other than our partnership with him. Yes. I was trying to find where the voice went. Because I, I heard a voice from heaven. Yes. It ties back to his people, what they were, they were partnering with him at chapter 8. Jealousy. You must do jealousy. Them crying out to a, a female goddess which is the, well, the women weeping. You go back and study that. Um, very much sobering. Yes. And he said in the New Testament, judgment begins where? Yeah. He, and, and, you know, the, thankfully the judgment he's referring to in the New Testament is not coming in with a, <laughs> to slay us. Not literally, but spiritually he does want us to die. We all know that, martyr. He wants us to become dead to everything we are and embrace the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony, the testimony of Jesus, and, and let his message shine through. So every one of us, his message is shining through us. His message is who we are because that's who he's made us to be. And our job is to spread that message all over this world to those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. If they choose to, to close off their hearing, that's a choice they have. You can't force it. And that's why I think some of the tactics of our government forcing things are going against people's will. They are stepping into dangerous territory. Dictatorial. Uh, we could go on for days, but you just see these strategies that the enemy's using and you go, how could somebody do this? Why are they saying that? And, and they're entering into blasphemy is what they're doing. I, they're not blaspheming. Well, some might be blaspheming the Holy Ghost, but that's up to God to determine that. But they're, they're stepping into blasphemy, and, and we'll see that come up here in just a, in a little while if we make it there. Um, good point, though, Nancy. Great point. Then it says... They begin at the ancient men. The ancient men, the mature ones, those that are, should have known better, right? But they didn't. I'm losing my spot here because I've got so much bold on here. Well, why'd you put so much bold on me? Well, yeah. we're, we're trying to find my spot, you guys. Yes, thank you, Rick. So they begin at the ancient men which were before the house. And he said unto, the, unto them, Defile the house and fill the courts with the slain. Go ye forth. And they went forth and they slew in the city. And it came to pass when they were destroying all the residue of Israel in the pouring out of thy fury upon Jerusalem. Then said 
said he unto me. Oh, wait a minute. I skipped something here. Sorry. He slew and it came to pass while they were slaying them and I was left that I fell on my face and cried and said, Ah, Lord God, wilt thou destroy all the residue of Israel in the pouring out of your fury upon Jerusalem? Then said he unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great. The land is full of blood, and the city is full of perverseness. Distortion is what that really means. Here's what they say. Yahweh has forsaken the earth, and Yahweh is not ra'ahing what's going on. That's what the people are saying. God hears every word that comes out of our mouth, every word that enters our mind, everything we do, nothing is in. He, he sees it all. He hears it all. He knows whether we're thinking it. He knows if the enemy's making us think it. We can't trick him. I don't, I don't know who <laughs> he knows. And then he turns and he says, and as for me also, mine eye is not going to spare, neither will I have pity. This is the Lord God, Adonai Jehovah, saying this. But I will recompense their way upon their head. He, basically, he's saying these people have chosen this, and that's what they're going to get. I didn't do this. They have created this mess. And behold, the man clothed with the linen, which had the inkhorn by his side, reported the matter, saying, I have done as, you, as you've commanded me. What about that guy's job? I mean, he, he, his job was better than the other ones, right? The other, the five, when they were, they're out slaying all these men, women, kids, everybody. Everything in the path. <laughs> it's, it's not, it, it is kind of like going on in Ukraine right now. Now, God's not orchestrating that. I'm just saying. That's kind of what's going on, but the enemies that work there through a person that Daniel was allowed to actually, he, these leaders are fitting into some of this some way. I'm, I, can't, I don't have all the answers, but they're partnering with beasts that are full of destruction, despair. I mean, and they're, they're, they're releasing it into the earth, and they're using all their resources at their disposal. This is a really, really tragic scene. <laughs> and some people might read this and go, oh, well, that was just for Ezekiel's day. Uh, yeah, you, you better wake up. We are living in Ezekiel days, Daniel's days, and John's because these things are happening in a, in a different, at a different level, in, and it's affecting every part of every structure. Our educational system, judicial, every local government, every state, every federal, federal, leading up to what? A one world government. It's leading up to that. It's all intertwined. And we and the church better wake up and continue to intercede because that's the thing that's going to push us through. And if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, when these things really get to going, and they start getting closer to home, some churches are going to end up, you know, we just need to be close to the Lord. That's what we got to do. Now, so when I started studying the mark, I pulled up different references, and, and, and I've got one here in Romans chapter 16. Then we're going to jump into the book of Revelation. This is a marking of of people that cause divisions and offenses. Let's just read it. Now I beseech or parakaleo you, brethren, mark those who cause division and offenses. Contrary to the doctrine or the instruction which you have learned, and avoid them. <laughs> Anytime people are, are, are engaged in divisiveness and their 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 or, or offenses, which is a term we get in a, a scandal from scandal on, and it means to cause people to um, to miss the mark or enter into some type of displeasurable displeasure. 
um, God says you mark them. And the word for mark there is scopio from scopos, and it means um, to to be very skeptical about those individuals. You know, to be a skeptic in a good sense. And then he says, here's, here's how I want you to deal with that. Avoid them. <laughs> simple, right? It, it's a simple concept. Well, oh, man, why would God do that? Well, he knows if you hang around too long, guess what you're going to become? You're going to become divisive. You're going to get offended. You're going to get infected by the poison that they're spewing. Simple enough. It, it, it makes perfect sense. And why people just get all worked up and go, you're avoiding people. Yes, if you... Now, think of division that's going on right now. Think of offenses that are going on, I mean, everywhere. In the church. Man, if you don't have the right color of the carpet on, boy, I remember years ago, oh, boy, the whole board would rise up and just go into some kind of fury. Ah, really? I'm serious. Pastor knows what I'm talking about. They, board members 20 years ago would rise up about the smallest thing, and they would act like a 5-year-old in a 60-year-old body. So immature. None of us are that way. But I grew up in it, and I, and I, and I, I watched people talk about it. And um, Man, if you had a – I remember about 20 years ago, and this was back when we were still in Bible college. And at that point, we had we had entered into a, what? Yeah. Well, I, I lean more to being conservative. You know, I don't want to be too liberal with it. But thirty years. Wow, where's the time gone? Whew. I know somebody in the room's getting ready to be uh, close to. Uh, I just turned a big five zero. <laughs> Those years have just flown by. So I remember being about several hundred miles away from a church where I, where I went and I would preach at often. And this was back when we were going through, you know, we were transitioning and the Lord was doing something new in us and, and much deeper. And through dreams and visions, he was revealing some things that were going on. I, I, didn't, I didn't have the context. It's when he shows you something that's going on in a, in a scenario or in a church, you kind of see it and you go, well, how does that apply? But you don't know what's going on where he's sending you. So that was one of these occasions. So I go down and I speak this prophetic message. I didn't say it like that, but I just shared what, 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 was, what the Lord had put in my heart. And I mean, after service, I found out that board members were going to the pastor and saying, you talk to him, da-da-da-da, because the things were speaking directly at him. So that's the immaturity of people like the ancient ones here. Ezekiel said they were the ones that should have been rising up and saying, no, we are not engaging with that. But they just accepted it like it was the gospel, right? So, vices, offenses, we need to be done with that. I think we are. I mean, I'm not saying the enemy didn't come from time to time, but we're a lot more mature now. We know that if, if, if there's division that's coming, we avoid it at all costs. And I'm not just saying person to person. I'm talking about a voice of division coming to you. It starts it all, the enemy's voice. Hey, man, well, you know, pastor did this here, you know. And before you know it, if you keep thinking about it, you know, you're, oh, yeah, he did. And you get rise up and you're, you're offended, right? Or... We're, we should be beyond that. Now, look what Paul writes here. For they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> now, I wouldn't go that far, but Paul did. And again, whatever, you're, whatever you become, you're a slave to, right? And that's what this is. And what's interesting is here, he said, but they serve their own bellies, their own belly. Now, belly there, if you go and you look, is can refer to like the, um, uh, it's, it's not the uh, cardia, it's the, but it can refer to the heart, the inner part of who somebody is. It's just who they are. And by their good words and their fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. 
Look at the terms here. I'm not going to go over all those, but those are interesting. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto them that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly, and the grace. So Satan's brought into this context, and bruising, and then carice at the end. Now, here's, here's the primary passage that speaks of the Father's name written in our foreheads. Now, before I say this, people are that have the whole um, end-time chart mapped out, they're going to tell you this is not any of us. The 144,000 doesn't have anything to do with us. Now, I'm, never, I'm not going to say that, okay? I'm, I'm not, because you look at all the things that are identified in here, and they are so much who we are in the Lord. First fruits, right? Um, um, <laughs> let's just read it. And, and I looked... John is always, in Revelation, he's looking visually. His visual seer gifting is off the charts. And then he's, I heard. I mean, phenomenal things. It's kind of like when the apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus and he had the heavenly encounter. And the other guys, they couldn't, they couldn't comprehend it. He was the only one that could see it. This is, and this is God's choosing. So he's always saying, I looked. And he says, lo, a lamb histemate on the Mount Zion. And with him was 144,000 having his father's name written or graphoed. Then that just means inscribed, written upon. It's the same terminology for the finger of, of Elohim writing the tablets and Moses seeing it. Same kind of terminology. I studied it in the Old and New, but I'm not going, all, I'll go from Old to New Testament here. But it's, it's the writing, it's the inscribing. And, and I do remember, it's been years ago, Pastor. Years ago, early on, the, the encounter that you had, and he's probably still got it in his office, where this angelic creature comes by and he's it's writing here on the paper. That, I kind of thought of that as I was going through this. So this writing and this inscription is very, very real, and it's alive on us. It's visible. It's not something that's just figurative language here. You know, the breastplate of righteousness is not just figurative language. It is an actual armor that we wear. <laughs> it's not. Most of the church just, it's figurative language. They have no idea because they've never seen it illuminated on anybody. They've never seen it in the spirit. And these things that we're talking about and that God's written for us, they are very much real and very much alive. And just know that we this mark is here. It is it's there. And what? Okay, just just think with me here for a minute. Why is it on the forehead? Why didn't he write it on the shoulder or the arm? <laughs> I think it's significant because the forehead is a, is, is the frontal part of who we are, and it's the first thing that people see, right? So if we are if we are praying and we're in the spirit. These enemy forces, they see this stuff. They don't see our bodies. They see what our markings are upon us. And they can see this, and they, they, they have to back off. They cannot unless, unless that, that hedge is removed, like God removed it from Job. That, that, that's Satan saying that. He's got that hedge around him. If you take that hedge, then I can do something. We're protected, and we can be forever grateful for that. Now, this, this name is written in our foreheads. Now, what's interesting is this terminology here, meta. Now, if any of you have, that language is connected to Facebook, okay? They're calling Mark Zuckerberg. Now, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just, this is just food for thought. We're not going to do a, a full-fledged meta teaching here. From a biblical sense... He, I think he's using it in a perverted sense. But from a biblical standpoint, it, it gets in connection with the marking of our Father. And then John says, I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. Wow. And I heard the voice. This is very, this is alliteration at its best here. I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. Say that about five times real fast. <laughs> and they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne. So we got a new song. And before the four beasts, 
and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000. What? Well, look at this. Which were redeemed. The marketplace. From the earth. Now he's bringing in this concept of the, the marketplace going into it. And it's very interesting, isn't it? And which were not defiled or soiled with women. For they are virgins. These are they which follow Hodos the, the, in, in the same pathway or, or, or accompanying him as a, a, a disciple, the lamb, wherever he goes. Another characteristic of us. These were redeemed, look at this, here's the same word, from among men. Two instances of this term going to the marketplace. Being the first fruits, there we are, unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth there was no guile, there was nothing, no fault before the thronos of Theos. These are all characteristics of us. Now, the 144,000 out of millions, it's just, yeah, it definitely is a remnant. I mean, for so long, for so long, and this was ingrained in us in Bible college. Pastor can speak to this. They had it all mapped out. They had, you know, when he talks about the charts, I laugh because, I mean, I've seen everyone, I've seen them, and they've got it all, doop, doop, and they got, this happens, this happens. And I'm thinking, you guys act like you're God, and you know, all the time. There are times and seasons that only he knows. That's where that comes into play. And it not only applies to, the verse in Acts 1, but it applies to the book of Revelation. The thing that we need to focus on and the church needs to focus on is intercession and not worrying about being taken out. We will be taken out at some point. I'm not saying we won't, but I'm not, I'm not so sure we're going to be taken out when we think it's going to be. That's all I'm saying. Now, in Revelation 3, I brought this in because this speaks to, about the church in Philadelphia with, with the writing. And Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast, crateo, that which you have, and let no man take your crown. Him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. There's a, one of the references to the temple. And he will go no more out. And I will write, I will grapho, I will imprint upon him the name of my God, number one, Anomo, and the name of the city of my God. Two different, two different writings, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven. And here's a third one. I will write upon him my new name. There's a new name written down in glory. Remember that one? We didn't know what that meant. All, all, all I thought was, oh, Mark Burke's name's written there, right? That's what you thought, too. The name, it sounds like God's having to write names down because he, he can't remember, right? Who's the, that's craziness. So you see how easy it is for us to, to get our own thinking in there, mix it in, and go, oh, well, friend, my name is written down in the book of life. Do you know there's more than one book in heaven? We'll see that here in a minute. The books were opened and the book of life, it says. Each person's got a book. God's taking notes, meticulous notes. And everybody's going to be judged from your own book. But thankfully, thankfully, remember, though, the blood helps us out, washes a lot of the old stuff. So that's, that's, the, that's the difference. So, so, here, so we got the new name, and, and he, says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, I've referenced Revelation 7, 17, 15, which speaks also of this writing on the great whore of Babylon. Upon her forehead it's written, Musterion, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So this is all over the place. 
So the writing that we have is identifying us as being God's property. We, it, it's, it's, our, it's, it's associated with our identity and his name upon us versus the great whore of Babylon. I mean, they, these are all twistings and things that are being used inappropriately. Okay, let's keep going. Now, here we come to the different beasts that I wanted to get to. The beast in, in Revelation 13, 1 through 10, is, is identified as coming up out of the sea. So we had the lamb that histemate. Now we've got John saying, I histemate upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast. And there you've got the Greek terminology uh, for, for the beast. Therion from Thera. And it just speaks of a wild animal, a creature, um, uh, one that's a hunter, uh, but also some, uh, a creature that is destructive. Rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his ten horns were ten crowns, and, up, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Do you see how the, the, the stark difference in the names that are being written and are, that are upon people and upon these different types of creatures? We got our Father's name written on us. This creature here is identified as having all, all the, uh, the heads of it. So it's not just, it's really a monster. It is a ten-headed, wait a minute, seven-headed, ten-horned monster. <laughs> very picturesque but it speaks of man the enemy is just it this creature was originally created perfect remember that's why it's called a beast and i believe that they were associated with the four beasts where their job was to be before the throne the four beasts have eyes all around they're 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 combing and and and, and intercircling the throne keeping eyes out no pun intended and, and, and the word for blasphemy here, I mean, you guys know. I, what I did was I broke it up. You know, it's, it's comprised of two words, blapto and fema. And when you break it up, blapto means to hinder or to injure, and fema always referencing something that comes out as saying, things that come out. So blasphemy is the words that are being released are for what? To injure and to hurt, destruction. And that's what these words do, right? I mean, you think about what's going on in Ukraine. You think about just what's happening in our own country. Words have power, right? Some people, they don't even think before they speak. I mean, they'll just rattle off, oh, and before you know it, you've got, you've got murmuring and complaint all over you. I'm trying to get all over you, you know? That's why he says you avoid people that are divisive, and they, they love it. It's like... They get up in the morning, and that's all they do from, from daylight till dark is they're, they're releasing division, 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 or offenses. And, and people like that attract other people of like-mindedness. <laughs> and, and we're told what we need to be thinking on. So here's this beast, and he says in verse 2, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were like a bear, and his mouth is the mouth of a lion. Now, at this juncture, when this creature comes up out of the sea, then the great dragon comes forth and gives him his exousia power. So you're going to see over and over again, exousia, dunamis, uh, megas, krateo, all the powers are, are really converging here in, in, in a good way and in a, in a demonic way. So he gives him his power and his seat, his thronos, and great megas exousia. And then John says, I saw one of, one of his heads. It was wounded to death. Wounded to death there means it was absolutely butchered, slaughtered, maimed violently. And his deadly wound was healed. Therapuo. Now, this is a twisting of, of that in, in a demonic sense, but evidently the enemy could utilize this in some way 
to bring healing. And what was he doing it for? And as it happened, all the world wondered after the beast. Okay, first of all, I don't know why in the world, no pun intended here, somebody's going to wonder after a seven-headed, ten-horned, ugly-looking creature, right? I mean, you would wonder why. It was because of the therapeuo, the effect of the therapeuo where this guy was maimed to death and then he was healed. So it's just really, it's really interesting. Why are people partnering with all this crud that's going on now? Why? Why? It makes no sense. It is a seven-headed, ten-horned, ugly beast that's rising up out of the sea and coming up out of the earth. It is. Beastly. Ooh, ugly. Got another word for it, but I'm going to not say that one. And they not only did they wonder, but then they proscuneo the dragon. Not the beast, the dragon. The source of the healing of the beast. Which gave exousia unto the beast. Now they say, okay, we're going to worship the dragon. Now we're going to worship proscuneo the beast. Saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able or dunamide to make war with him? Polemia from polemos. And it means a, could mean it would refer to a one single battle or a series of battles. Major warfare. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking megas things and blasphemies. Same word from previously. Words of, of, that's going to bring hindering things, injury, destruction. And exousia was given unto him to continue for 42 months. So there's going to be a time frame that says 42 months that this is going to be allowed to happen. Most people are binding, 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 binding. God's going, you can bind all day long. It's meant to happen. It is a prophetic utterance. And God's going to stop it when it's, when it's time to stop this type of chaos. We're just seeing the beginnings of this. Now, watch what happens here. He opens his mouth, and there is a targeted blasphemy that comes out, directed against God, against his name. Okay, it brings in his name again. So if he's taking this out on God, guess who else he's going to try to take it out on? You and I. We've got that mark in our forehead. And not only that, but his tabernacle, the temple of the tabernacle. He hates it. He knows that things are ultimately probably going to be dictated and they are going to be dictated from that tabernacle when it opens up and these angels come out with these major judgments that's going to affect the entire globe. The entire globe. And them that dwell in heaven. There we are again. Do you dwell in heaven? Yes. That is our abode. Now. Now. Over the last 20 plus years, we've been interceding at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. We're seated in heavenly places. We're by the four beasts. And in the end times, the four beasts are going to partner with the seven angels that come out of this temple, and they're going to be releasing these vows of judgment. I want to get to that. I don't know where we're already at 10 o'clock. So that's the one beast. Revelation 13, 11, 1 through 18. This is another beast that says... The first one came out of the sea. This one is, I said, another beast coming up out of the earth. They're two different beasts. And this one had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. I don't know how dragons speak, but we kind of go and kind of can tell through Scripture. And he exercised all the exousia of the first one, and he caused the earth, the earth, and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast. Look at the power of this creature, whose deadly wound was therapeuoed, and he did great uh, megas wonders and signs so that fire came down out of heaven in the sight of men. How can this happen? I, I, can't, I can't explain this, other than they are trying to demonstrate things in a twisted manner to convince people to come to their side. In this time, we, there's no gray area here. You are, we are either going to proscuneo God 
or we're going to proscuneo the dragon and the beast. There's no, there's no middle ground. He does this in the sight, and he deceives them that dwell on the earth by means of the miracles that he's able to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. Remember the image were made in that image? This image here is an image of, of the beast himself. It's a twisted image. So think of the image of Elohim, how God's heart is created in us. And this image here, it's, it's, it's the ugliness, it's the destructiveness, violent nature within the enemy. That's his image. That's who he is. And he's having people worship, create something to worship him in that way. I'm almost done here. And make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. And yet, now I do not understand this. Now, I do in some ways. It says, and he gave power to give life. Life there is pneuma. Life unto the image of the beast. What? How is that possible? Well, the enemy, the enemy's spirits have a demonic pneuma nature. They do. Remember, they were created perfect, but when they, when they fell and they went with the enemy, that nature became corrupted, and it became um, evil. So when he's giving this, it's a, it's a false representation of the true life that they once had as a perfected beast in the, in the very beginning. And I put there, contrast this with the image of Elohim versus the image of the beast. And that the image of the beast should both speak. Now, Pastor recently found something. I forget where it was. Oh, I think it was overseas where this image thing was speaking. Yeah, in China. And I remembered that when I was studying this. And calls that as many that was not worshipped, the image of the beast should be killed. Look at the influence of this beastly creature. And he calls all, small, great, rich, poor, free, bond, to receive a mark. Karagma, the, 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 the stamping, you know, it, it can mean to scratch on there or write or etching stamp, same thing, in their right hand and in their foreheads. And that no man might buy, and that's the word for uh, going to the marketplace again, or sell, save that he had the mark of the na- mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up now. I know... I'm five minutes over. So I had not recognized this beast coming out of the sea and then the other one coming out of the earth, them being released. The, the enemy is unleashing the beast. He is. Now, the beast can be seen all over and how he's trying to affect the world, right? <laughs> I mean, think about pandemic. You think about, think about all this stuff in Ukraine. I mean, we should all be going and going, Lord, I, we, we need to keep sighing and crying because we know the Lord's in all this. We know he, we don't need to be like Ezekiel's uh, people during that time period where they, oh, the Lord's forgotten the earth. Have you ever had that thought? Well, God, where are you? Forgot. No, 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 no. Don't do that. He sees it. He's just moving in a different way at a different time. We, we try to understand the times. We do the best we can. He lets us know. But we... We haven't missed anything. Everything is still being controlled by God, and our job is the same. Intercede. Pray. Don't let the enemy poison you. We haven't even talked about the other creatures. We haven't even mentioned wormwood and all this. Wormwood's there. The unclean spirits are going to come out too, uh, out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false. We haven't about the false prophet yet. That's another being that is in the camp of the enemy. So, any rate, much, much more to share, but there's coming an hour, and I'll end with this, where there's going to be an angel that's going to be flying through the midst of the heavens. It says he's got the everlasting gospel to preach to those that are on the earth. And then John hears a loud, megas voice saying, and this, this is a word by the angel. He says, fear theos. Give doxa to him, for the hour of Croesus has come. Worship him. 
That's this angel's message. That's that's part of the everlasting gospel message that he's proclaiming during this end time. Right there. Don't fear Joe Biden. Don't fear the government. Don't fear any other event. Don't fear this. Don't fear this circumstance. Fear fails. Worship fails. Give glory to him. And when we do that, we are in alignment. We have the mark, and we are preserved. So that's this message. We are preserved. This mark is upon us. And so thanks for giving me the time to kind of babble on about this stuff. There's much more, and I encourage you to go back and read it. We have victory over the beast. But that's part of this too, but we didn't get there. So any questions or additional comments? Okay. Thank you, guys. Blessings.